Hello and welcome back to the Grace to Conquer show. Today is a little bit of an abnormal episode. This is a bonus episode and I'm going to be talking about adoption because today the son that I adopted out turns 14 years old. I hope you'll join me as I go ahead and talk about this amazing but sensitive subject. Welcome to the Grace to Conquer show, where our vision is to empower you to overcome your struggles with grace and go from victim to victor, obliterating any obstacle and adversity that's in your path. Hi, my name is Kara, wife, mom, lifestyle coach, certified personal trainer turned entrepreneur, and now podcaster. My hope is that you will kick back get a cup of coffee, and we can have a conversation, just you and me, about this thing called life. Being a mom is difficult, and there's so many things that can get in the way of what we are truly meant to do. So I'm here to talk about that candidly, and my struggles, and your struggles, and the things that we're going through every day. So thanks for joining me, and let's make this a great one. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this. If you are considering adoption, have adopted, or you're a birth mom, uh, this message is going to be hopefully um, inspirational for you as I share my story. It's it's an emotional story and I, I try not to go there. As I've said before, I know how to compartmentalize and... Um, even though, you know, when you've adopted a child out, people say, oh, don't look at it as you're giving a child away. Um, but it, it's something that is painful no matter what. It's just, it's just, it is. And um, everybody does, um, you know, those of us that are birth moms have done so for, you know, each of us for our own reason. Definitely not all the same. So... Of course, um, I've talked a little bit about my story, so today I just wanted to go in a little bit deeper uh, so you guys know kind of uh, the situation. And I want you guys to know this because uh, there is such a story of redemption in this. So basically, when I was 26 years old, uh, my ex-husband and I split. We had two children at the time. And I um, easily fell into a DV situation. I won't go into every detail about it, but needless to say, uh, he was a man who came in and, on you know, at first uh, glance and and talking to this man, he just seemed like he was my knight in shining armor. And I had I had uh, watched a lot of you know, videos and films in regards to domestic violence. And I remember being one of those people that's like, you're so stupid. 
you know what you know that you can leave and just leave and get away from that guy he's no good for you things like that well not every story you know it doesn't start out with somebody being violent physically or emotionally and I'd already gone through um, a pretty emotionally abusive um, last you know seven years at this point because I had got married when I was 19 and you know this isn't about picking sides or anything like that but I, I was hurting when I left that relationship and I felt like people in the church or my family uh, they wouldn't understand when I left so I, I really felt alone so having found this person that seemed to tell me everything I wanted to hear it was so easy for me to cling to him and all the positive words he was telling me he was telling me I was beautiful I hadn't heard that in so long um, I hadn't felt cared about or wanted and so um, no he was not the reason why my uh, ex-husband and I got divorced by any means but it's you know falling into that relationship unfortunately um, yielded in me getting pregnant and there were a lot of things that went down during the time of my pregnancy. Um, the first time that I was ever hit was um, probably like the middle of the night. I think he had gone to a club and come home and wanted, had, or he had told me he was on his way home and, and told me, and, yeah, I don't think he asked me. I'm pretty sure he just told me to make him... Um, some food or something like that and I think I made a quesadilla and it just was cheese and I was told that that was I was I was um basically the food was slapped out of my hand and told it was you know white people food and a few more colorful words and then I was hit very hard in my head and just back like backhanded but like with a fist and I, I never experienced violence before I didn't grow up being abused I didn't grow up being hit um, I mean I'd been slapped before for saying something stupid <laughs> um, and of course I've been spanked um, and even you know a few times maybe out of anger but to have been hit in such a hard way by especially by such a large person uh, he was six foot two and weighed 260 pounds just so you know how large um and and it's not it's not about race but he was black <laughs> if you if anybody um, knows me in person that's listening to this you know that my amazing husband is also black and he sometimes tells the story that when we met and we were working together I perceived that he was flirting with me and I told him I don't I don't date black men and I did that purposely to get him away from me um, and I, I wasn't trying to be racist but he frightened me um, because of my experience um, and I kind of jokingly tell him that if he was as large when we met as he is now because he goes to the gym and has gained a lot of muscle that I probably would have really been freaked out <laughs> but anyway um, it's just it was because of my experience of what I went through so um, you know during again during the pregnancy uh, I started recognizing it was getting violent and he would apologize and say, hey, I'm, I don't want to 
I don't want to do this. And I just thought in my mind, like, oh, I can change him. He's going to change. He loves me. And there was no part of this relationship that was even okay. Um, He did take me down and to a tattoo place and gave me the option of getting his nickname tattooed on my forehead, my neck, or my lower back. And back then, you know, you wore shorter um, pants or jeans or jean shorts or whatever, and maybe a shirt that when you kind of bent over a little bit, you would see a person's lower back a little bit. So he wanted it to be visible. He wanted it to legit mark me. And I'd never had a tattoo. Again, I was 26 years old and I was scared to death. I didn't want to do it, but I knew if I told the people at the tattoo place who will ask very few questions back then, surprisingly, um, this was 15 years ago. Uh, they, you know, just went ahead and went with it and they didn't really like pry, like, are you sure you want to do this? And he kind of answered for me, of course she's sure she wants to do this, um, and paid for it and everything. And I knew that if I didn't, um, that I was going to have some consequences. And by this point I was already, um, having a lot of threats. So like if I left him, he would describe in very great detail how he would kill my dad. Um, he knew where a number of my family lived and he would also describe how he was going to, um, hurt them or, um, go to their house and things like that. And it was very scary to me because I, I was very naive. I had grown up a missionary kid. Um, I had not experienced anything violent like this. I had only ever experienced, you know, emotional verbal abuse from my ex-husband, but not like this other level um, with combined with the physical and it, it was very scary um, there were times that he would tell me to um, pick up the phone and call my sister and um, he would tell me that I had to exactly what I had to tell her and, it, and they weren't pretty words and I heard a lot of people and he would literally be standing over me with the phone and ready to hit me and I don't understand why there's people like it I don't um and I don't understand why um in my mind I couldn't seem to leave and it's always bugged me that I wasn't strong enough to leave this person at that time even though I was already pregnant and that was one of the things he he used to keep me there too was because he knew um, I was pregnant with his child. That was one of his purposes um, he had disclosed later on. Um, and unfortunately, um, even though I had been on birth control, um, I would get pregnant very easily, which is why my ex-husband had got a vasectomy, had multiple miscarriages. So you would think because I was a high-risk pregnancy too that all of this um would have been really difficult for me to have carried this child, but I did carry him to term. Now, when I was um, probably about four or five months along, I was able to get away. I tried to get my own place and um, there was a lot going on um, emotionally for me. My family was not Um, in a place where they were supportive, they were still very angry at me and very hurt. So instead of getting the affirmation, the positive affirmation I needed, um, I I just felt all this negativity. And unfortunately, because of that, uh, my abuser was able to get me back because he told me again, everything nice that I wanted to hear 
Whereas I didn't hear it from the people I wanted to. Um, I wasn't going to church. I wasn't, you know, I, I would read my Bible. I would pray, of course, but I just felt so alone. And um, it's not an excuse. I'm just trying to tell you how it is when um, when you're in a, in, a, in a domestic abuse situation you know, other people on the outside may be like, this is a no brainer. Like this is obvious, but when you're in it and when you're hurting and when you have that person's child, um, or whatever else they're using to manipulate you, it's very difficult, um, when you're in it. Um, so a lot of people are quick to point fingers and I see that a lot. Um, I understand. I, I hurt for those women who get in, in a, in a situation where they've been beat physically and they end up going back and I've seen friendships lost over it because people get angry that they are doing that and it's frustrating but to be honest with you the only thing you can do is to pray for them and to be there for them even though you don't agree you don't want to enable their abuser but if you can enable them somehow and help them have that strength to be able to pull away or provide them um maybe a place to stay and the downside to that is that happened to me three different times oh let's see one two three three different times I got I left and came back um because you know and and those people put their kind of neck on the line allowing me to come back because this person was a very dangerous person and so um, I didn't finally get a chance to leave, leave and sever that tie until the fourth time. And I was then, I think just about eight months pregnant, uh, maybe, maybe more like seven and a half, seven, seven and a half. And he had, um, snapped over something stupid and like a box of shoes or something. And, um, I knew I needed to get out of the apartment I was in. Um, and I couldn't make it to the door without passing him. And unfortunately, he grabbed me and uh, choked me and, you know, um, would hit my head against the wall. And then he, and I scrambled to go get my purse. And he did something he'd never done really before because he was very careful not to put marks where other people could see it. But he kicked me in my belly. And that's not good because I was pregnant. And then also he kicked me in the face. Um, I mean, I was lucky he didn't kick my eye because he kicked right next to it and it put this huge gouge. Um, So I, um, he basically screamed that he was about to kill me if I didn't get out of there. And I believed it and I was able to get out and get to my car and just, I think he didn't actually think I would leave. And I was able to get to the nearest grocery store and call 911 and they came to my rescue and they surrounded the apartment. They weren't able to catch him, but he was stupid enough to try to reach out to me a few days later um, and tell me where he was going to be at a barbershop to which I then let uh, them know and they were able to arrest him. Um, And then I was able to finally feel like I could start to try to move on and try to figure this out, but I was still pregnant and so it was difficult he and I honestly he tried to even call me from prison and it was crazy I was like seriously um he hadn't gone to trial or anything yet and he had 
multiple other women who he reached out to and uh, somehow somebody bailed him out, unfortunately. Um, but anyway, it was somewhere right around that time. So I was living with my brother and his wife and they were amazing to take me in because nobody else wanted anything to do with me. And I started going to church with them again. And, um, I wasn't, I was very much on a fence and they knew it and they felt like my heart was getting harder because they said, if you are not completely repentant, if you're not on the side of the fence for God, then you're getting harder and harder. And I just, I just didn't feel like I could do it. I just was like, I don't know why, um, I was so stubborn and so disobedient. Um, and I loved God. I wanted to have this child, um, I was barely even seeing my other two kids because of this whole uh, DV situation. Their dad had, of course, um, made it so that they weren't able to see me, um, which rightly so. They were, you know, it was a violent situation. And I'm thankful they never witnessed anything um, when they were around. And, you know, and, and um, I've, I try not to bring it up in this day and age, they don't really remember very much. Um, but we talk about some of the stuff, you know, cause I want to make sure my older kids don't have these anger issues, uh, left over from all of this, um, trauma, you know, from 15 years ago. And, uh, so when I was about eight months pregnant, my older brother somehow in a conversation brought up that he felt like I should maybe consider adoption. And I thought that to that was like me taking the easy way out. And I was like, this is my child. Like, how dare you? Like, you're an uncle to this child. Like, this is my flesh and blood. And I'm eight months pregnant. I've already got stuff for this baby. I've got clothes. I've got a bunch of stuff that was given to me through people that I had worked with. And I thought there's no way I can do that. And I yelled and I screamed at him. But when I went to the room that I was staying in, I slammed the door and I said, but I'll pray about it. And I did pray about it because I, you know, I wasn't, I didn't have the greatest relationship with God, but I knew I needed prayer and I knew I needed help. And the more I thought about it and the more I prayed about it over that one night, God changed my heart. And by the next day I was like, okay. Um, but I said, you know what, if I am going to give this child up for adoption. I'm going to make it hard on God. (laughs) And I was like, the only way I'll give him up for adoption is X, Y, Z. Like I named all these things. Um, you know, there, they had to be in a small, good Christian church. Uh, she had to be able to be a stay at home mom. Um, they had to be interracial. They could not be white because my family was white and this was not a white child. I didn't put a specification on on race or color. I just didn't want him to grow up in a completely white environment. Um, I didn't feel like that would necessarily be the best thing for him. And I, of course, you know, I wanted them to be able to make good, decent money, um, and not live super far away. And I didn't say like whether I would ever see him again or not. Like I didn't specify any of that. Well, I called that day. This was literally the day after I called um, a contact I had through a local um, adoption, well, not adoption, but like a, 
like the alternative to Planned Parenthood, basically pro-life, um, I think they're called iChoice Clinic. And she got me in touch with a lady from a Christian adoption center across the state. So I um, called her and she just happened to be driving to the city I lived in right then and for some other reason and she said she would meet with me but while she was on the phone with me she gave me their website and while I I get emotional sorry while I was on the phone with her I scrolled through and I found as soon as I saw the, the picture and started reading their profile I knew I knew it was the right family (laughs) for my child. And this was crazy because this was literally a day after I had said, no way, no way will I adopt my child out. I cannot do that. I'm not strong enough. And I'm not, it wasn't even so much about being strong enough. I was like, I'm, I'm selfish. I want my child. (laughs) And, um, so I met with her and told her that I'd seen this couple and I don't know, within, two days they had flown over and met me they even picked the same name that I picked for him it was crazy um they spelled it different um it all happened so fast um and then um nine months came and I had him he was a large baby (laughs) um both his dad and adoptive mom were both his his adoptive dad and adoptive mom were there in the hospital with me it was kind of weird because I wasn't married I didn't have a, a husband there with me helping me you know my mom and the adoptive mom were in there with me while I gave birth to him and uh you know I wasn't I was very peaceful um it didn't really hit me and then that uh, that night, that first night, um, both the uh, adoptive mom and dad were there with me in uh, the room. And uh, I, I still don't even know if they really know this, but uh, they um, he, he started crying <laughs> and was moving around. And I wasn't supposed to nurse him or anything because they didn't want my milk to come in um they like wanted me to wear like the tightest sports bras and everything trying to help my milk not come in um and they didn't say I shouldn't hold him or anything um at least not that I remember but I I wanted his dad and his mom to get a good night's sleep because I knew from having had two other children previously that they were about to not get any sleep and they were about to go home with a baby that they have never been parents before and they aren't were in a rare that it was going to be difficult. So he, with him making these noises, I quietly took him and held him basically all night long. And, you know, I think it was a good thing, (laughs) but I think it was also very difficult because the next day it started to hit me. And I remember the, um, doctor came in and said, look, took one look at me and said, um, kind of said you held the baby last night and he was like oh um I'm gonna prescribe you some antidepressants and I was like why I'm fine he's like and I'm gonna suggest that you guys all stay one more night so they did they stayed another night and we all left the next morning 
I, again, I, I wasn't like, I was fine. <laughs> you know, I walked out of there. I think I looked like I was about five months pregnant because he was so large. Everything just was so large and bloated. I did not look like I, you know, what I looked like I was pregnant. And in fact, on the elevator in the hospital, I wasn't carrying a baby with me when I was leaving. Somebody asked how far along I was. And I don't even remember if I lied. I just, I remember that I was so like, it hit me. I'm, I'm leaving this hospital without a child. And the um, administrator, the lady that had kind of orchestrated this all from the adoption agency from across the state was there at the hospital to take me back to my brother and sister-in-law's house from the hospital. And it was a very quiet ride. I remember I, I cried. And I, I don't think I stopped crying for a couple of days. Um, those first few nights were really difficult. At first night, I do remember feeling like, besides all the pain in my chest that I was having, and they told me I had to take hydrocodones to like counteract this pain that I felt like I was having a heart attack. But um, there was a point at, at, during the night that I just cried out to God. And I said, this, this pain is too great. Um, I can't like, I just, I felt like I couldn't live because I felt like I had just had a baby and I was supposed to be holding this baby. And, um, I was, oh, I guess I, I skipped the part where they had wanted to do an open adoption. So I was, they did contact me. Like I was able to have contact with the parents. Um, and then eventually with my son and to see him and I've seen him visited him multiple times, you know, over the years and I remember her talking about him and, and how they were struggling to get sleep because of every little noise he made. They were all concerned, which was why, like I said, I held him the first uh, night there in the hospital. And, you know, it was so difficult. But I remember that God just made himself so tangible. I, it literally felt like he had me cradled in his arms and was comforting me and it was so supernatural I'll never forget it because in my worst worst time literally the worst like the hardest thing I've ever gone through any any physical abuse I ever went through was a picnic compared to that um and so on uh, April 17th in uh, 2007 uh, my son was born I'm not using his names or his parents' names for, for privacy's sake. Um, you know, it was still kind of up in the air because um, his father had still had to sign off on some papers. He was in prison at that time, um, and they were able to... Actually, this might have even been a couple months later because he wasn't in prison I don't think right around the time he was born, I was so scared he was going to figure out that I was having the baby and where it was and it was going to like come in and try to claim the child or, or mess something up with the adoption. And we all were aware of it and we were all kind of on high alert and I was thankful that he um, wasn't going to be living in that city. And of course there was a no contact order, but that never stopped him in the past. So um, after a few weeks after... Um, I, I don't even, yeah, it wasn't even a full month after he came trying to find me and was with another 
a woman trying to kind of con her in the same way that he did with me, um, basically use her and all of her money. And I decided to try to act the hero. And um, finally, because he was trying to get me to, I don't know what he was trying to do, make me verify that what he's saying is true. So I went to where he was at with the hotel with this woman and proceeded to tell her of the lies and um, the physical abuse and he um, swung at me hit me in the head I flew through the air um, and proceeded to basically bleed out as you know when you get hit on the head um, it's obviously bad but like he didn't like the skin had never punctured before and he hit me um, in a place where I still have nerve damage and um, this woman saw this um, I was out I was I, I I I blacked completely out. Um, I remember hearing them, um, hearing conversations and hearing them try to figure out what they were going to do with my body. And this was right before his arraignment, and he was getting sentenced to prison. So right after this happened, um, she you'd think that this woman would have seen what happened and gone the other way but instead she fell into a relationship with him anyway even though she witnessed firsthand him do this to me and basically almost kill me um and sometimes people think oh did he almost kill you because of you giving your child up for adoption strangely enough that wasn't his focus at the time and unfortunately that man has gone on to abuse multiple women and put them in hospitals and is still a free man um, he has gone to prison and then he somehow convinces a woman, he just makes a lot of connections. He'll convince them to, um, bail him out or pay all his restitution and all these things. And it's just amazing to me how our system doesn't do enough, um, to help the women who've been the victims of domestic violence, especially something so violent um, who knows how many children by now he's had or created. Um, but I do know that through all of this, my story has a redemptive ending. My son is turning 14 years old um, and he loves God. He is so smart, <laughs> like ridiculously smart. Um, his mom sent me um, some of his testing scores. He's homeschooled. She has always been a stay-at-home mom with him. I got, like I said, God just delivered everything that I wanted. He has three adopted siblings and they're all, they're all, you know, biracial or multiracial. It's, it's amazing. And, you know, he is such a happy kid. Um, you know, he sent me a birthday card, for my birthday and I don't know if it was coincidence or what but it was the first time this card said mom on him and it, it really hit me I was like wow I'm I'm still this child's mom but I adopted him out I don't see myself as that and um but I still like I still love him just as much and you know for those adoptive parents what people don't understand is People think that maybe if you adopt a child, you won't love them as much as your own. But that is not true. When you adopt a child, you choose 
that child, you choose to love them unconditionally. And it's it's likened to the adoption that we have in Christ when he chose to give his son for us and make that, um, you know, that propitiation for our sin. He, he, um, adopted us. It's a free gift. It's a free adoption. We, all we have to do is say, okay, and have that free gift and, it is ours and then we are forever part of the family of Christ. There's nothing that we can do that would make him love us less and it is just an amazing story of redemption. Um there is a verse sorry got uh, carried away here in Ephesians 1:5 that talks about it. Um I don't have it pulled up right now but um, you know, the Bible is the, the greatest story of adoption. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. The story of the Bible is the story of adoption. We're all adopted into God's spiritual family as a chosen child of God. Wow, how amazing, how redemptive and that is one of the most amazing things to me, um, how he works and how he changed my perspective on adoptions and, you know, even adoption and adopting a child out seems super scary, but it's not something that we have to be so afraid of. It is a beautiful thing, whether you're a birth mom um, it is still, you know, painful. It's going to be a process, but it is something that is so rewarding in the end. So I hope that this story can give somebody hope, either if you're trying to adopt, that you realize we all have a story. Um, it is something beautiful. It is painful at the same time. But it's something that I've never actually gone through and told and spoken about it. I have written about it. So I hope that someone can hear this story and be encouraged. I love you guys. And thank you so much for celebrating my son's birthday with me today.